Hi, welcome to your new favourite podcast. From London to LA. Join us, your House of Flavour host. Come on, we need more energy for this. Welcome to your new favourite podcast. From London to LA, join us, the House of Flavour hosts with... Me, Chef M. And me, Miss May, as we explore what to bite down on. And what not to bite down on. In the world of food. Culinary news. And trends. (laughs) And trends. Hot mess. Let's go. It is barbecue season, girl. <sighs> it's the most treacherous time of my year. <laughs> oh, barbecue Why? season. Do you know what? It's like Thanksgiving all over again. I feel like... Is it? Yeah. There's nothing for me to eat. Okay. Yeah. Not it's, at anyone's It's carnivore central. Yeah. It's yeah. like people invite you over for a cookout. The infamous cookout. You know, I can't even get into the cookout because <laughs> there's nothing for me. But yeah, and even barbecue restaurants and the kind of little takeaway spots. It's mm-hmm. I, I love grilled food. You know, I, I really do. <laughs> like nothing makes me more happy than some grilled fish, some grilled veggies, corn, something. They have nothing for me. Yeah, you know, restaurants from a barbecue perspective regardless on the season or not mm-hmm. you know it's interesting it's very hearty it's very thick yeah like it's like you know the the idea of someone being corn fed and they're just <laughs> husky yeah like that's what barbecue uh. is yeah mm. it's that you know texas memphis middle of america why can't you middle of america a piece of fish <laughs> honestly like you've got every kind of brisket beef rib lamb rib pork rib chicken yeah spatchcocker chicken all sorts of chicken (laughs) what and then there's nothing nothing and do you know what i resorted to doing last year like last fourth of july Hmm. and the year before i bring my own food so when people invite you over To a barbecue? Yeah, I bring my own food with me. So I would bring like corn on the cob. Like already cooked? Or you like pre done so I can put it onto the the barbecue. Like I feel like I'm trying to encourage people to (laughs) think outside the box. And you know, I bring king crab. I might bring some lobster tails. And then everybody wants some. Of course. Yeah. They I feel like they lack imagination when it comes to what you can actually put on the grill. Absolutely. And what to do with it. So this year, I will not. Like grilled squid. Grilled squid. Stop Delicious. frying squid, people. Stop frying squid. You know, and my piece of fish is probably much cheaper than your beef ribs. It really depends on where you go. Because when I was in Texas and having some beef ribs, I felt like a a segment out of um what is that? What is the movie I'm thinking about? Um, low down? No, it wasn't low down. Dirty shame. It was. <laughs> damn it! It's gonna it's gonna bother me. What is that movie with uh, Chris Rock? Big Mama's. What? All right, you know this is gonna. He was not about to say Big Mama's house. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Even though I think Big Mama was. Doing... I'm gonna get you sucker. That's what uh, it was. Okay. Yeah, All right. I'm gonna get you sucker with Chris Rock. I want to say that's that's like one of his first you know um breakout moments to Mm -hmm. where everybody remembers what he was saying because he came into the you know the rib spot and it was like you know how much are your ribs 
It was like, you know, it's this price. It was like, that's expensive. That's a lot. <laughs> it was like, how much for just one rib? It's like, that's how I felt when I was in right. Texas. It's like, how much is just one? Like, because I don't need a slab. Anyway. One, they're yeah. huge. But then even one was $80. $80 for one rib. And ladies and gentlemen, I am not talking about a slab of ribs. I am talking about one rib wow. that's pulled out of the rib cage. Just one of them was 80 bucks. I was like, like the tomahawk of the rib cage. Oh my gosh. I was like, how much is the sauce? And can you just pour that in my hand? Like you don't got to give wow. me no cups. I don't need nothing. It's like, it's so expensive out there. So that's why I was saying like, it depends on where you go on how expensive that rib is. And I would think that because it's Texas and they have Longhorn all over that place, I mean, this is that cows. it would be easy <laughs> <laughs> to drop the cost down. But no, it's expensive. We need to start rearing some animals or something. I know. We need our own little farm. We need our own little farm, you know? Yeah, for sure. That would actually be fun. That would be amazing. Yeah. Like real farm to table. Yeah, for sure. That would be fun. But I, it, it, it takes a whole lot for me to go out there it's like i like to get my hands dirty in certain things yeah i i already know that i would be the slaughterer <laughs> and you would not <laughs> so, <laughs> i would be prima donna if as you hell see the out size if you could see the size of these <laughs> biceps triceps shoulder blades of chef marcus you would think there's something wrong <laughs> compared to the size of me but yeah i would definitely be the slaughterer he is not no man. Slaughter ready. <laughs> It'll be fun though, for sure. But um yeah, so barbecue is expensive, especially during barbecue season, mm -hmm. especially in So Texas. when when technically is barbecue season? Because I guess the is... barbecue season starts with the um with the morning of summer. Oh wow. Okay. Yep. Nice. So summertime. You are a Chicago native. Chicago native. That has lived around the world. Yep. That currently resides in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Soon to transition to Texas. Yep. What are the barbecue? Give me five barbecue essentials for Chef Marcus. Oh, essentials. All right. One, <laughs> the grill. <laughs> <laughs> Gas or... No, nah, fire. You got to have fire. You got to have coal. gas, coal, wood, mm -hmm. smokiness. Um, no propane. You can't get the same char and smoke out of um, propane. Mm -hmm. So definitely um, coals and woods, smoke woods, um, flavored woods. And then you get into your rubs. Now, because... You and I, you know, focus so much on being color coordinated with cooking. Yes. I feel the same Seasonality way. Seasonality matters. Yes, absolutely. And I feel the same way with rubs. I think people have lost their damn minds with having so many different ingredients with inside of a rub that makes no sense at all. It's like I feel like they've taken everything out of their cupboard and thrown it into this pile of to this bowl and then just 
threw it and packed it on to this beef or this slab of rib. It's like, what are you doing exactly? And then smother it with sauce. Yeah. Smother it with sauce. It has a ton of salt. It has a ton of sugar. Like, it, it's, it's just way too, too much. Mm. So I'm conservative when it comes to that. I stick to four of my own um, um, seasonings. Mm-hmm. I have sinfully hit that cinnamon base. I have a um, sassy me to hit that peppercorn base with a little bit of black um, lava salt mixed in. I have um, abla habanero to have a little bit of heat. A little spice. Yep. And then I bring in rosemary me to have a little rosemary for aromatics and the herbs that come through. I keep it nice and, and simple, and I swear the flavor is absolutely amazing it's like i feel like when you're barbecuing the barbecue should come off so well that it's almost wrong to actually put sauce on it like yeah i'm not i'm not a big sauce eater it's like it's like if you have a good steak you don't want to smother it in an a1 sauce like come on people yeah true 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 that yeah so i would definitely say a so a a good grill a good grill fire smoker Smoker is good, depending on what you're doing. Yep. And you definitely have to plan for that because that's timing. Timings, yes. But um, it's, it's not necessary for me. It just, mm-hmm. a, you know, a grill, um, coals, wood, um, rub, and my choice of meats would be seafood-based or protein to seafood Where have you base. been all of my barbecue life? Because <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever offered me seafood at any barbecue, anywhere, in any country That's I've ever funny. lived in. That's funny, yeah. I'm, I'm grilling shrimp. I'm grilling um, whole fish. Like, all of those particular elements. I'm grilling um, crab legs. Like, I love all of those things. Because I, I can get beef ribs anywhere. I don't do pork ribs, although, mm-hmm. you know, everybody can get that. Um, and I'm allergic to chicken, so I don't do chicken. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's kind of where it, you know, where it stops or where it sits with me. Now, as far well, as maybe, your sides. Maybe um, 4th of July will look a bit different this year. Absolutely. Like, we can, we can get it done. But here's the thing. There's a lot of things happening around your your orb around <laughs> July. the The first week of July is is yeah, packed. it's fine. I I get back. It's fine. It's right. absolutely fine. Right. I I love grilled food. Yeah, like, I let's really do it. really really enjoy having grilled Family food. Family be around. It would be a good time to. Yeah, cook my outside. mom will be in town yeah. actually. So yeah, I want I want some grilled food. Yeah, I'm with that. It's it's easy. Like I I love doing that. But then from a sides perspective, you know, it really depends on, on like, you know, how fat boy I feel like, you know, being because <laughs> you, you have so many different things that you can also throw on the grill that you would never, you know, really do it because you're inside the house, like right. mac and cheese you can put on the grill, yep. put in a cast iron, you know, um, yeah. pot or pan. People do invest in a good cast iron skillet. Yeah. Like if it's one Absolutely. one kitchen item, I could say besides a decent knife, is get a cast iron skillet. Yep. Changes lives. Absolutely. All your vegetables, your Brussels sprouts, 
inside of the cast iron, uh, fajita style for all your um, bell peppers and onions. I wouldn't go as, it's like everybody wants to throw, you know, corn in the cob. It's my favorite. Don't, don't go there. Just, you know, somebody actually gave me a, um, a recipe book for okay. corn on the cob right. with like 50 different ways, to different do it. ways of topping corn on the cob. It's phenomenal. Now, here's the thing. Like, I love the way that corn on the cob tastes. Yes. Especially, you know, white corn is super sweet. It's, yeah. it's, it's not good for us, though, humans. Like, right. That's the other point I was getting <laughs> to. It's like <laughs> corn, our bodies, even our enzymes inside, all of it, inside of our stomachs, we cannot digest actual corn. So that's the only reason why I don't eat it, because it serves no nutrient purpose for me. Meh. I know, right? <laughs> but I love, I love I the love way that it, it tastes. I love it. I want it. I, I like love it. the smokiness of the corn. I like the mm. butter. I like, you know, the um, the flavor of. I love, I love the salt and you know the flavors and the smokiness and all mm. that. Even if you go, you know, Mexican style and. I hate Mexican style corn. <laughs> Do you right? Oh, God, <laughs> I've like never known. No, I don't like street corn. <laughs> I've never felt so violated. <laughs> until i moved here and i was like why is my i can't even see that it's corn anymore yeah, like it's, it's covered so in as, um, cheese, cheese and it, as mayonnaise, mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who decides to smother corn in mayonnaise cheese and herbs yeah. and think that it's going to be delicious like it's not delicious guys <laughs> it's disgusting i think you'll have a fight on your hands especially here in la saying that you are not a fan of I hate street it. corn yeah I absolutely despise street corn. Wow. Just think that gorgeous crispy corn drenched in mayonnaise. Yeah. Cojita <laughs> cheese and cilantro. Yep. No and, bueno. And no, tajin. thank you. And tahine, yeah. you know, the, the famous <laughs> sweet, spicy orange dust, you know? No, I hate, I hate street corn. Yep. Um, but you can also do roasted potatoes. Do oh, yeah. um, baked potatoes on the grill, mm -hmm. like any and everything that you would normally cook inside of a skillet or throw in the oven, you can throw on the grill. Yeah. Baked beans? Baked beans too. You can cook it on the grill, put it in a cast iron, do that thing. Um, I like baked beans. A lot of people add pork to it. That's, that's, this is okay. So I, yeah, I love baked I can't beans. I do that. I introduced my partner to British baked beans. What's the difference? Ha ha. Uh, I may have to introduce you to British baked beans. Yeah, for sure. Um, because you cannot get British baked beans just in a regular grocery store. Like every bean here is super sweet, either has a pork base or a beef base. Yeah. Beans are beans. <laughs> They're just supposed yeah. to be beans. So I can't even eat beans. Is it a is it a brown bean or is it a black bean? Is it a white bean? They're the bean? exact same type of beans. It's a similar type of um, bean that you guys use for your baked beans. Okay. But Ours is more on a tomato sauce base, but not a super sweet tomato sauce base. Like okay. yours ends up being a very thick brown, sugary um, base. Sugary yeah. base. Um, ours is a bit lighter, more tomato flavor. Mm -hmm. um, we have it with breakfast, beans on toast, jacket potato. Do you know what jacket potato is? No. What is I just that? I saw him squinting at me and I was like, <laughs> lost in translation. <laughs> jacket potato is a baked potato. 
is a baked potato. Yeah. And you call it what? A jacket potato. A jacket Because potato? when you slice the potato in the middle it and you start like filling things around, it looks like a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm being right. charged like $5 for one can of baked beans in the United States. That would normally cost me like $1, maybe $1.50 at home. Mm. So it's become a luxury item in our household. Huh. So the sauce is, is like a, a tomato-y sauce? Tomato, yeah. Huh. Actually, I've had, I don't know where I was, but I've had something like that. And I noticed that the sauce had more of a tomato base yeah. to it. Okay, and that is called what exactly? They're just baked beans. Just baked um, beans. Yeah, just baked beans. And I, I got really excited. I saw some in the grocery store the other day, and they said baked beans. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, you know, just regular baked beans. And then when I read the ingredients, it started telling me about all the parts of this animal that were in there. <laughs> I, was, I was like, you know, you take it for granted. They don't even put it on the front of the can. Yeah. It's just standardly comes with lots and lots of animals and is really sweet and sugary. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I like baked beans. I just don't do it just because everywhere that, you know, I'll go to have them. I don't make them. Like, I don't like them enough to make them. Right. But anywhere I go, I want them, but then it's always filled with bacon and I'm not eating pork like yeah. that or or at all. So I, I can't. Well, I was going to say, why are you not a pork eater? Just because it's Just unhealthy. preference, yeah. Yeah, that's all. It's like Lifestyle. I grew up on, you know, pork chops and, you know, fried pork chops. My mom used to always make them uh, smothered pork chops. It's like, but I just, I stopped eating uh, pork when I was around 15 and okay. never looked back. Good job, sir. Yeah. Good job. So I was, I was trying to, you know, look out for my health back then. Mm-hmm. So, what would be if you're not cooking, which yeah. you will be <laughs> this Fourth of July? Clearly, but if you were not <laughs> cooking, <laughs> where would you recommend? You know, I, my go-to, just because it reminds me a little bit of um, Chicago-style barbecue, is Lucille's. Hang on, what is Chicago? So, is there variation, I guess, between states around here of what what makes it Chicago style? Um, there, there isn't a particular style, okay. right? So it's just, um, you know, Texas is, there's outside of their sauces, like mm-hmm. the sauces for each state is kind of what separates them. And of course they'll say that their rub is, you know, is this or that, or, you know, you have one that's a little more spicy, yeah. one that's more tangy, another one that's more sweet. The, but that's all based on their rubs and the actual, but the meat is the actual meat. There's no really different, you know, formations of styles in that particular way. Uh, I'm just used to the idea of in Chicago, you'll have your barbecue, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then the sauce would be on top of it, or it's actually been um, baked in the sauce. Right. So... Which is what I love. Like, I love it to be covered in sauce and then put it back in, let the sauce caramelize around the actual meat itself Mm -hmm. and go from there. But in Chicago, depending on the restaurant you go to, it's definitely served with some fries. It's definitely served with um, some bread. And it's normally, you know, white bread. 
that's thrown in there is is there to kind of help, you know, with the sauce and with the so heat. Then you just the have like a soggy sauce bread. Yeah, but it's so goddamn good though. Really? Yes, I, I it mean, is. okay. It is. It's like yes, but it's like it's because they they sit it on top. They don't put it at the bottom. Right. So it's, sit it on it's top, just so dabbing. It's like, right. It's just the excess. Yeah. It's it's just the the undercoat that's you know that's saucy, but mm. the top part is crispy. So you get this balance of like this crisp and softness to the bread, and so. I think I'm going to be on a mission to find a barbecue restaurant in Los Angeles that also has something for pescatarians. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I have failed miserably unless, in the last unless four it's years. Like, yeah, unless it's fried. Then that's not barbecue. No, it's not. You know? It's not. They'll, you know, do fried shrimp and stuff like that. It's it's hard to find it's super grilled hard. seafood from a barbecue perspective. I yeah. even used to really want, you know, because jerk, you know, not that I'm eating Jamaican food here yeah, ever again. We, we've established that's not a thing. <laughs> but, you know, a jerk pan is the same as a barbecue. And... You know, I'm like, what well, again, you could jerk salmon, but whenever they say jerk salmon, it's never cooked in the same way that you jerk chicken. And to be honest, people, the jerk rub and the marinade is part of what makes jerk something. But for you to truly have jerked chicken, it has to be cooked in a pan outside. It's not baked in the oven. <laughs> it's not a, just a spicy sauce. <laughs> Like it's it's also a style of cooking, jerking process. something. It's a process. Yeah, I, I said process. I'm gonna people are gonna message me and be like, "You've changed." It's a process, guys. It's a process. <laughs> process and process. Yeah, someone messaged me because I I said shrimp, and they were like, ah, "You've changed." And I was like, "No, I was actually eating shrimp. I was eating the small ones. If they were bigger, I would have called them prawns." Oh, prawns, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people are quick to get me i'm telling you people have been waiting for my accent to change it's not happening sorry guys <laughs> man um so you don't so you, have you had any barbecue no I, i've not had any and i've really wanted some like every time it's fourth of july or memorial weekend there's a big barbecue holidays yeah yeah, yeah. And I'm always really excited because, as I keep saying, I love food cooked on the grill. I love outdoor cooking. Yeah. Um, I never, I never have anything. What is your favorite grilled food? King crab. King crab. Yeah. Do you pre-cook it to? So steam it gently, yeah. but not too much, and then kind of take it half out of the shell, and then I cook it on the shell. So you split it. Okay. Yes, sir. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you see it's bubbling? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See? See, guys? You see what you're missing? Absolutely. Deliciousness. (laughs) But no, I've not I've not had any. And especially around where I live, there's there's lots of famous barbecue places. There's Phillips barbecue in Inglewood. Um, there's Woody's, which I there's believe Woody's, is like yeah. a, you know, like a, I think it's a chain because there's a few of them. Mm-hmm. There's, there's um, Riptown. 
Yep. There's an interesting one called Three Flames Mongolian Barbecue. See, that that was going to be my next question. I feel like here I've seen less of what I see in Europe with the kind of Argentinian style mm. grilled meats where it's just yeah, endless yeah. amounts of meat that come to your table. Yeah, that's that Medi- Mediterranean. Yeah. And I'm like, I wonder why they don't necessarily have so much of that here. I feel like for the amount that people like to eat yeah. in the U.S., having an all-you-can-eat grilled table side dining experience would be interesting i think like the places that you've just named that that do it across the the sea is because they're close to the sea and they have access to it to mm. a little more i think that if you go to the the areas that's close to the water here in la you'll find more people grilling fresh um fish and fresh but not even fish just i mean because i can't eat at the argentinian places either they don't have fish options they just have meat, but I, I don't see that much here. Maybe I'm missing. Maybe I need to do a bit more research. <laughs> Not that they're going to give me anything to eat, but it would know, be nice, right? nicer <laughs> to see what else is out there. And the um, the last thing is, um, uh, although it's not necessarily barbecue, but they do have some. I, I guess they lend towards. They use barbecue sauce for sure, which is Harold's chicken, which is native to. Chicago. Yes, there is a Harold's chicken down the street from my house now. Which is crazy. Yeah, which I checked out the other day. Um, How was it? It was okay. I mean, it's my only options were fried. I mean, I was grateful yeah. that they had fish That's at right. all. Yeah. Um, but I had like a combo of catfish, fried catfish and fried shrimp. Yeah. Um, it was meh. Yeah. It was yeah. expensive too. I, I feel like... If you're serving chicken wings and fries and fried stuff and fried stuff, it should, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not supposed to be like 20 anything dollars. Like, yeah, no way. But it also is interesting that they, you know, kind of tout themselves or, you know, push themselves forward a little bit more inside of that barbecue lane just because of their actual sauces. But it's not actual barbecue because they're not grilling, they're frying. No. And the, what was interesting, actually, is the guy that was serving us was making it like we make everything from scratch. Like he's like, I put my foot in this coleslaw. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, he's back there. Stepping he was, on it. you know, he was just like, you know, we whipped this up this morning. This is so, it was, it was so <laughs> meh <laughs> that it was like, I love our people. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is not a, a man of color. What? No. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Pause. I'm gonna have to take you there. <laughs> <laughs> so hold on, this was not a brother talking about. No, I put this my was not a brother it. putting his foot in it. This was somebody else telling me that he, I put my foot in this coleslaw. <laughs> uh, you're never gonna have anything that tastes like this. And that's fantastic. I seasoned the hell out of this. I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, all right, sir. I was expecting the goodness. Right. There was no goodness. Yeah, no. Also, like another fan favorite from um, barbecue perspective is potato salad. A controversial cookout. Super controversial. Yeah. What do you put in your potato salad, Chef Marcus? I don't make it. Ooh. I don't. <laughs> I don't. A I don't rumble make in the it. universe. Yeah, I don't make it because it's it's my grandmother's, and if I can't get my grandmother's, then I don't want it. Okay, what does Granny put in hers? She won't tell me. 
What but, do you think Granny puts in there? <laughs> <laughs> Granny probably put some pork juice in there. And I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I know for I don't know what she does, but I know for a fact it's, it's not mayo. It's not mayonnaise. Okay, I mean, uh, yeah, you can you can make that a little different. Yeah. Eggs or no eggs? Um, yeah, there's eggs in it. Um, relish or no relish? There's relish in it. We don't do relish in our potato salad. No? What do you use? Chives and herbs. And okay. It's a bit fresher. I find potato salad here is quite sweet. Yeah, but that's, that's also Potato America salad is sweet. Coleslaw is sweet. Everything is sweet here, yeah. Um, People are addicted to sugar. Yeah. Ours is not necessarily sweet. Yeah. It's more kind of the tanginess of the herbs and seasoning. That. Yeah, I can see that. So we've got eggs, we might have relish. But what makes it good? Does she peel her potatoes? Does yeah, she... all of it is fresh. Nothing nothing comes out of a can. Everything is made from I scratch. I hope not. Yeah, no, everything not at is... Granny's house. Yeah, no, she, she definitely does it up. Um, the funny thing about my grandmother, when I went there to Chicago to, um, to visit recently, I asked her if she liked tofu. <laughs> because I was talking about grilled tofu that I had. And she says, she says, I don't like tofu. I'm like, why? She was like, I've never had it. I was like, hold on, pause. I was like, <laughs> don't, don't pause, Granny. <laughs> Granny said what she said. <laughs> how, do, how do you not like something that you've never tried? She was like, I just don't think that I would like it. I yeah. don't like the look of the texture. I don't like any of it. I was like. But you've never tried it. I was like, there's so many ways to actually enjoy tofu. I was, she was like, no, thank you. I'll pass. And I don't like it. <laughs> I'm sticking with granny. I eat tofu. I don't like tofu either. <laughs> it's, it's too easy to be disappointed. Yeah, for sure. Check, please. Follow us on all social media channels at Bite Down Podcast and at The House of Flavor. And that's F-L-A-V-R. Don't forget to show us some Insta love and follow Chef M at I Cook by Color and me at M-S-S-A-F-F-Y-M-A-E. Wait, wait, wait. Hold the check. Please. Before you go, we have something juicy for you to bite down on next. I was invited to speak with the awesome women of the title podcast about culinary leadership, Check out a bonus bite playing directly after and also follow these incredible women over at the title podcast. First one up is at S-A-R-A-H-G-I-B-B-O-N-S-C-O. And that's for Sarah Gibson. And then the next one is Tashawn McCann, which is at T-A-S-H-I-O-N-M-A-C-O-N-P-H-D. Check, please. All right, Wave Makers, welcome to the title podcast. This is episode 19. And for those of you who might be new, Title Podcast is a leadership coaching podcast about people and perspectives making waves of impact. I'm your co host, Sarah, and I'm here with my bestie, Tashawn. Hi, everybody. And, oh my gosh, today's guest is the founder of Cook by Color, LLC, 
and a sports nutritionist and health and wellness coach, Marcus Moore. Oh my gosh, you guys are going to love our conversation. We really dive deep into the world of culinary. And Marcus has a passion for fire, for food, for colors. And he even redefines the kimono that Tashawn is wearing. And I'm just going to leave it at that. But we will never look at that kimono the same. Ever. And I <laughs> Ever. <laughs> So Chef M is not your average culinary chef, you guys. He's also an executive creative leader specializing in the emotional science of color. And oh my gosh, does it show. I had the biggest epiphany that I'm eager for you guys to also have by listening to this episode, which is really this concept that recipes are meant to be a reference. They're not meant to be exactly replicated. And even as I say that out loud, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have the freedom to create because mm -hmm. I'm not one that likes to measure everything and get things to the T. I'm a bit of a like, dump that in, dump that in, and then hope for the best. And now I feel like he just gave us permission to do that. Um, Tashawn, what was your biggest takeaway from the uh, conversation with us? Yeah, I loved um, how he really discussed what happens with salt and sugar in the brain and how what a pinch of salt really is, like not just as an idiom, but how you implement that in your food. I was fascinated by how he shared the trends of food and fashion, how parallel they are. Like, so um, all of you that love fashion, you're going to see food and fashion connect in a way that's I've not ever really heard before. Like I know that we we dress up or we have you know a couture you know perspective to how we show up and dine, but he spoke about trends and taste and how they are analogous to fashion and food, and I, I found that hugely fascinating. I loved how he talked about leadership as an inward journey before it's an uh, an outward expression. Like that's, that was a beautiful takeaway for me, not to mention how he literally gave me a flavor palette off of my kimono. Like literally you, you're going to hear it. And I'm telling you, I'm not a vegetarian, but I'm telling you, I'm going to cook it just the way he talked about it. So fascinating. Marcus is the real deal. You guys, he's not just someone who's out trying to make a uh, million dollars off of, you know, cooking ingredients, spices. He is someone who's invested in his own leadership because he greatly cares about the experience, not just for himself, but for the rest of us. And he really is focusing on core health properties associated with eating, a seasonal and color-filled diet to balance and complement your overall lifestyle. And caregivers and parents, if mm. you have kids who do not like to eat uh, vegetables or herbs or anything that looks remotely healthy, you're going <laughs> to want to listen to this because he has come up with a product that you'll hear him talk about called Cook by Color. And Cook by Color's healthy patent combination of fruits and vegetables and herbs and spices combined allows everyone to flavor their food in the most healthiest ways. No additives, no GMO, no MSG, no preservatives, no sodium, gluten-free. Hello, LA peeps. And he meets people where the at where you are at. The barrier to of entry uh, to start cooking this way feels very doable. It's just good old fashioned good. I'm just going to tell you yeah. like that. It's good old fashioned it good. Is. 
Mm-hmm. It is. So without further ado, we welcome Marcus Moore on the title podcast. Marcus. Yes. Give us the 411 on how you're making waves out in the world. Let's see. I, I, I have a very strong, I guess, connected passion to teach people a different way to cook. And it stems from the fact that most Black and Latinos suffer from, you know, um, disproportionately, you know, food-related diseases like diabetes, uh, high blood pressure. I mean, you name it, the over-access of, or I should say the overuse of sodium is, is through the roof. And each year, you know, we try to get better collectively, but it's the same systematic issues that continuously pop up and that never change. And I think it's mostly because they haven't had, or people in general haven't had a viable solution that they can actually flavor their foods well without the access or the overuse of salt. I'm kind of committed to creating a brand that everybody can enjoy, but enjoy in a healthy way. And so that's where Cook by Color and the philosophy of (laughs) dress your food the same way that you dress yourself starts to play a lot into having the courage and the confidence to flavor your food the right way or in a healthy way. I love that. Shake it like a salt shaker is about to take on a whole nother <laughs> meaning. Okay. Because you are like dismantling almost like an inherited palate, right? Mm. When you think in terms of how black and Latino uh, persons, the, when you just came, you know, Sarah and I were just in Costa Rica, the food is not seasoned that way. It's very, no. you know what I mean? And so yeah. it's like we've inherited this palate that you're intentional about deconstructing right and in the deconstruction you're going there are more there are actually more flavors that can come out there are more there's more so much okay share share a little bit about that like the flavors you think uh can come forward when we when we adopt this new way of of experiencing food yeah so i think that from a flavoring perspective is uniquely our own, right? I think where we mm. get confused with recipes is we have adopted someone else's flavor profile and we have no clue what that really tastes like. Only the author of that of that recipe knows exactly how it's supposed to taste. Now they have given you the guidelines to say, hey, here's what I did. But just like in fashion, if we were dressing ourselves and we saw someone that was fly, we were like, okay. I like what that person has on. And although they may go out and look for something to mimic that, it will never be mimicked all the way down to the T. We will add our own specialized flavor and uniqueness to it. So same thing with cooking. If you can you know, get around this idea that salt is a garnish, it is not a seasoning, it is mm. not a spice, it's a garnish, it's to be added on Afterwards, it was never intended for you to actually cook with and season your food with. So if you take the flavor perspective and trying to create flavors that are uniquely your own, just take a step back and see how you're dressing. Because all the ingredients that's inside that recipe 
you would never sit back and say, all those colors I would actually wear. There would be no way in all God's green earth would you actually would, would you actually put on all of those colors and, and flavors. It's just too much. So if you look at it from the standpoint of you have your shirt, right? You that's a it's a compliment one to you, but then it also has a color to it. It has a color base, it has multiple shades, right? Your pants that you put on or your skirt or your blouse or whatever will complement that 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 first color and now you have your bottom color then you got your accessories which are things that actually complement you have your shoes you have your earrings you have your watches and stuff like that those are your accessories now you'll never put anything on that clashes against that and if people took that same sort of connection to the way that they dress and applied it to the way that they actually cook not only will they have flavors that matches their style and their taste buds, they'll be able to control the actual magic of what's actually happening inside of each of their meals. Okay, my mind is being blown right now <laughs> because total confession, I have treated salt like I need to cook with it from the very get-go. Like it's like the first or second thing I add in. And it's totally by default. And so I'm having this epiphany as you're talking about, and it's ironic because we're leadership coaches, but mm. this, it's so ironic because really what I hear you talking about is being like being intentional, not defaulting to simply what everybody else is doing. Or in other words, what I thought was being done or how I think it should be done. Like it almost feels like, it, then, I, then I go into the all self-doubt. Well, is what I'm cooking going to be as good if I'm not like dumping in, you know, teaspoons of salt and pepper from the yeah. very beginning? I mean, it's really a, it's such a great analogy too for how people show up in, in their life. Yeah. Right? And also from a confidence perspective as well. Because if you're unsure about something, you either overcompensate for something Either way, either is for the forward or you're overcompensating and moving backwards farther, mm. farther away from it. Cooking is a, is a confidence led, you know, entity. Some people feel comfortable and have the confidence to explore different things. Some feel like they need additional help and they need to just be told. So the Lawries of the world, the McCormicks of the world, they have conditioned people mm. to thinking that there's a such thing as taco seasoning. It is not. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's no such thing as a pepper steak seasoning. There's no such thing as a pasta, Italian seasoning. Those things don't exist. You can flavor your pasta, flavor your tacos, flavor your steak, however you desire them to actually taste. But people have fallen into this idea that you know those things are actually, but that's based off of the fact that I think that they have a lack of confidence into what they're doing. And if someone in a higher authority that they respect says, hey, you know, do it this way. And this is the only way that it should be done. Then, like, OK, then I'll follow that. OK, is it a lack of confidence and is it also a shortcut? Like when I when I'm grabbing the taco seasoning and I got to <laughs> cook a bazillion meals multiple times in one day. Mm -hmm. I'm grabbing it sometimes because it's just feel like it's a shortcut. Like it's going to save yeah, me time. Convenient. It's convenient. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Marcus, I really want you to share with our title community 
your why behind all of this and mm-hmm. how, how you got started because it is such a uh, incredible story. And I think a lot of people will be able to relate to it, particularly our caregivers and parents. Yeah. Sure. I'll, I'll make it short and sweet. I was going through a divorce and the idea of leaving the home and not being with my children was daunting, right? And I wanted to make sure that they had something that they can actually, you know, have me in still in the house, like a piece of me still in the house. And I wanted them to also have, you know, my food. So the way that I communicated, you know, my love or shared my, my love for cooking in the house was I made all the food. And so without me being there, they were left without that piece of the puzzle that they were, you know, conditioned into and, and it was the norm, right? So Cook by Color started with me just wanting to do something, give my girls something that they can actually utilize in the kitchen with my energy in it. Cook by Color was never meant to be out in the public, outside of my kitchen and my daughter's cupboards. That was it. And a good friend of mine in Chicago, it was like, you know, you're always coming up with ideas and they're great. He was like, this one, you can't keep to yourself. It was like, it's too good. And you have to start explaining these things, you know, to people. And so he said, let me pitch. (laughs) This is crazy. He was like, let me pitch this to Heart and Soul magazine. Uh, from a content perspective, because they need some online content. And they're moving into more of the health um, side of things, and they needed some chefs. I'm like, listen, I, I, they're not good. I, I just, I'm just now getting started. There's no way that they're going to say, okay, let's, you know, put some money behind this new, you know, this new guy. And he pitched it, and they said yes. And I found myself in a production kitchen on camera talking about different ways to cook by color and how to actually dress your food the same way that you dress yourself. Complementary colors equals complementary taste. I'm trying to figure out the, the quickest and fastest way to break these things down so people can understand um, that there's a better way to, better way to eat in a healthier way that their bodies are actually needing and also expected. But that's how it, it was started. It started with my three daughters. Well, I mean, it's, it's so cool. Now, give give Tashawn and everyone a, a an example of one of the colors, your most wait, popular wait, one. Your most wait, popular wait, wait, wait. Before <laughs> we go, okay, we have to listen here. So we have gone from pre-baking to full brawling right now, okay? (laughs) We have went to preheating the oven to full brawling, okay? I'm loving everything I'm hearing. One of the things that's resonating with me powerfully is a recipe as reference, not replication. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's a, it's a starting point. It's not, we're not meant to replicate a recipe. We could, we can look at it as a mm-hmm. reference, as you're saying, like with style. You can look at a magazine, you can look at another person, you can reference their vibration or their style, and then you you make it your own, right? Yeah. So I'm loving that contribution. I'm also loving this wave around the impetus for this chapter in your life was the ingredient of love. Mm. 
was the ingredient of love and presence. And I'm like, I mean, we went straight past 400 with that. Like we like, (laughs) (laughs) so now I'm, now my mind is ready to receive the next question you're talking about, Sarah, but I needed to, you know, I needed to just put it where we could, we could really get it. Yeah. The ingredient was definitely love for sure. Um, and to answer uh, Sarah's question, the ingredients are very unique because so because it stemmed from a parent's viewpoint and what kids should have in their daily, you know, uh, diet from a balancing perspective. I wanted to make sure that there was fruits and vegetables inside of each of their dishes. Mm. So I combined fruits and vegetables in combination with the herbs and spices. But then I took it one more level and kept them with all kept them with inside of their own color family. So, for example, there's me, myself, and lime. It has lime, basil, cilantro, green chilies, and kiwi mixed in. Fruits mixed in with the vegetables, herbs, and spices, but then also it's kept with inside of its own color family. It's all green. There's another one called um, ginger teas, and that's a yellow based one. It is ginger, turmeric, sweet carrot, and the carrot is yellow carrot mm-hmm. to be very specific to the yellow. Um, and then as um, it ginger, lemon, turmeric, and yeah, and sweet carrot. Those are the four ingredients in there. And there's I'm talking about. I, I'm I'm just so. <laughs> It's rare to get me speechless, okay? <laughs> the beauty of of when people think that okay, there's a there's a taco seasoning out there. They're using it for the the quickness of the necessity of just grabbing something and not having to think. I've actually done the thinking for people and given them a cheat code in the kitchen because now you don't have to go out and buy the cilantro, the basil, the kiwi, the chilies. You don't have to do everything is already bottled for you. And there's no preservatives, no GMO, no MSG, no additives. So what you read on the label is literally the only thing that's inside of that bottle. Wow. So all you're doing is flavoring up. So like if you're using like lorries or anything like that, you have to, you know, um, you know, tread lightly on how much you sprinkle on because if you go too much, then you'll ruin your food and you can't eat it. And it's not, it's not edible. There's not one seasoning blend from my white, black, yellow, orange, red, green, purple colors that you can over excessively put too much on. All you're doing is going to intensify the flavor profile and you're never going to do anything that's going to kill the food or, you know, make the food not edible. You're just going to enjoy it even more. And the life shelf on the products are over a year. Yes. So there's no reason to add preservatives or do anything that's harmful to your body or add these things in, you know, the you know conglomerates out there they use the additives and preservatives from a cost perspective mm-hmm. and try to get it as cheap as possible then also but also get you hooked on the actual product because i mean 
ha- adding sugars and oh. adding salt into things, your body starts to need it if you excessively crazy. use it. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you start, you know, tasting things that don't have those ingredients in it, then you're like, then something's missing. It's just your body trying to keep up with the poison that you've already put inside and and trying to keep that to feed off of when you need to try something different or do things differently. And that's why you hear certain terminology when people will say the food is bland. And really, yeah. it's not bland. It's how your brain has processed the ingredients or the flavors. You've gotten mm-hmm. addicted, addicted to a taste profile that's yep. not beneficial to your body and to your Absolutely. being. Okay. Absolutely. Wow. So like, for me, if I taste something, I can instantly taste the fact that sugar was added or I can instantly taste that salt was added to this or an excessive amount of salt. Now, I'm not saying that you should not use salt in your, you know, your daily intake. You should definitely do so because your body actually needs it. But the amount of salt that's actually needed for your body is if you take a teaspoon and you break it down into quarters, your entire body can only adaptively use that's healthy for your body, which is a quarter of that amount. So literally the idea of a pinch of salt is literally, (laughs) that's all that you need. That's all that you need. So if you're garnishing your food, just adding a pinch of it, because it's it's a chemical compound that you're adding onto your food. That's what salt is. So salt is just to make your flavors brighter, not to be controlled by that actual compound. Wow. What's so interesting to me, Marcus, what I love so much about what you're creating and the impact in the world is there's something, well, one, you've simplified it in a way that I think is so approachable to anybody, anybody, certainly in our community. And, but on a, like, if you go up a few levels and get an altitude, the impact that you're creating on a world that really particularly in the States, you and I, have, we've all lived abroad. Mm-hmm. We've got a real issue here in the States with what we're putting into our food. And you're beginning to shift that in a way that's so approachable. It doesn't require, um, you know, cutting foods out entirely. Like there's something about it. Like you're, I feel like you're meeting people where they're at. There's something that's so attainable. And that mm-hmm. ripple that you're creating, you know, as a mom of three boys, who I've got one who d- won't touch anything green. Let alone, <laughs> you know, if it doesn't if it doesn't have carbs or sugar in it. Um, and so I know for me, it's just it feels doable. It mm. feels like it's approachable. It's doable, and it's that we talk about this all the time. It's like that tiny, tiny shift that we can begin to make that actually can have a really big impact. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think what's beautiful to me in cooking by color, and I'm just kind of thinking in terms of how I learned to actual, actually color, like it was color by numbers, mm-hmm. right? And so, of course, you know, you get, you, you, I colored outside of the lines, okay? I'm gonna be, <laughs> <laughs> however, <laughs> however. Most ba- brilliant people do. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> you know, hey. Uh, but the baseline was to help me learn. And I think what I love about cooking, cooking by color is that, you are helping us relearn, right, in a way 
that to, to Sarah's point, it's it's attainable. You can it you can actualize it, and you will enjoy the food. I'm looking at the seasoning cabinet in in, in where I am now. Like, oh well, that's getting ready to be empty. <laughs> <laughs> like the pantry is getting ready to get a situation. It's it's like. So how do you, when you meet others that when you engage on your wonderful and powerful podcast, do you ever get questions around what needs to come out of, of seasoning? What needs to be added? Like, how do you kind of shape that conversation? Inside of someone's personal. Yes, uh, their personal public. palate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I try to get them to start looking at their, um, their ingredient choices a little differently. So from mm-hmm. an ingredient perspective, um, it's almost like if you're going shopping and you're you're buying a certain amount of um, tops and bottoms, some accessories and stuff like that, right? It's You're not going to buy just any and everything. You have an idea of what you're going in and looking for. And some colors and some things appeal to different people very differently, right? Mm-hmm. So the way that I would use a piece of broccoli is completely different than someone else in the way that they would use it, right? If people can get the understanding that they can start to buy their foods or buy their ingredients based off of dressing, like literally dressing their food, then the ingredients will start to make, will basically hone in to where there's not so much clutter or outside noise as to what to do with it so for example to shine like your your orange i can tell from the top there's a there's an orange and there's you know a, a white or mm-hmm. lighter texture right it, it kind of you know moves the same thing there's a there's a piece of yellow on the mm-hmm. back right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. if i was to buy ingredients based off of your top alone just from a vegetable vegetable perspective, I'll grab maybe an orange bell pepper. I'm with it. Okay, mixed in with the the white starts to play into. Okay, let me. What am I thinking of white? Let me grab some garlic or some white onions, right? To start to flavor and mix in with that orange bell pepper. That that hint of yellow. It can be anywhere from adding turmeric or adding a zest of um of lemon on top of it just doing that simple you got your orange bell pepper you got your white garlic and you have your yellow from a zest perspective that yellow zest is your aromatics that's your cologne or your perfume that you will put on right your 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 garlic mimics your your accessories like your earrings or your shoes or your watch that you will put on and then that bell pepper would actually be the the top of the clothes that you actually put on. So it's like if you if you look at look at it from that standpoint, you don't need much else. What what else are you going to add to this vegetable central dish? It's like those are the core ingredients just to even get the flavor tasting according to the way that you do things. Now you have some other things going on. You have some um, green uh, fingernail polish. You can start to add um, some chives on top of that. It's like all of those pieces and elements start to connect to the fact that you are dressing your food the way that you dress yourself. And it's much easier because you have that concept. You understand that, okay, 
I don't need much, but neither does your food. Your food, when you're dressing it, it doesn't need much. It just needs to be, it needs to be thoughtful. I mean, this is fascinating. Listen here, Wade <laughs> Makers. He is just cooked with my kimono. I'm trying to tell you what this is. <laughs> okay. I am, you know, door dash chick. Okay. So, but I, I am committed to becoming better through this encounter because of what, what, what you're sharing. So if you had a table that you, anyone could sit at this table, who would you invite at your table? I would definitely have the Obamas there. I would have, you you have to forgive me on names because I I can tell you that the type of people I would have there versus, versus the names. Yeah. So at, at my table, and it's interesting that you're saying this because I'm in transition, in transitioning of moving from LA to Dallas. And one of my goals is to actually put on a dinner that I would specifically invite certain people to experience the food as I'm, you know, it's almost like a tasting menu. Um, so that it gives me the ability to start playing with some different flavors and seeing how people will like them is, is they're my, my, my testing table. Uh, and so I would love to have a mix of someone in the fashion field that understands mm-hmm. the seasonality of trends. I would love to have someone that is extremely into farm to table so that they can understand the seasonality from a food perspective, because the beautiful thing that happens is that, and I feel like no one is really talking about this, is that from a food and fashion perspective, those seasons run parallel to one another. And what I mean by that is that not only do they share spring, summer, fall, and winter, the foods and the colors of those foods are the same colors that are in season from a fashion trend perspective. So your yellows or your oranges or your greens, all of those are in season at the same time from a fashion perspective and also from a culinary perspective. They run parallel to each other. And having someone from the fashion world, having someone from a, from a farm-to-table perspective, having someone that is from a, a political perspective also at the table, um, and then the trendsetters that kind of make up this cluster of engaging um, community work and uh, just from a global perspective, being able to talk from that standpoint, being able to talk from a fashion and trend perspective, but then also the importance of food and eating food in a seasonal manner. It's the same way, it's the same way that you can tell that when you see watermelon and watermelon being sold out of season, it tastes without flavor it's super watered down it doesn't have any of the richness of the flavors that the red actually possesses without it being actually in season so same thing with strawberry same thing with any any and everything that we mm-hmm. eat so from a table perspective i would definitely have a cluster of you know those type of thinkers in the room to one, enjoy the food in a different way, but then also understand where I'm coming from or or why I'm putting out 
a particular dish in this in this season and the ingredients that kind of go with it. Shameless plug. Invite a couple of podcasters <laughs> to the time. I know. Obviously. I'm like, wait a minute. Hello. <laughs> got to be got to be at the tasting table, sure. the testing table. This is phenomenal. <laughs> I mean it's I mean, <sighs> so okay, one of the things that Tashawn and I both really value is community and support, Marcus. And I was thinking about your, you know, you're getting ready to make this transition to Texas, obviously a big transition when you've got a divorce, there's a transition as you, you're, you know, developing this business. Mm -hmm. Who have you looked upon or leaned upon as you have gone through these transitions? Mm -hmm. Who's really like in your, you know, when you're, Feeling it. Who's on your speed dial? Um, is, is that such a thing, speed dial anymore? But you know what I'm saying. I just dated myself. Yeah, and your favorites. <laughs> and your favorites, whatever your favorites. whatever the young folks say. Who are your mentors? I, I lean on um, my sister, my young sister, from a, a sounding board perspective. When I need to just kind of vent, she's a great listener um, for me. The it's it's interesting because i it's like as much as i'm i'm not a lone wolf i do lone wolf things <laughs> you know i i do have a best friend that's out in um miami who i reach out and kind of bounce things off of and kind of vent to but as far as aspiring from that side of it i i kind of look inward i know that i don't want to be where I where I'm currently at. I want to be, you know, much higher than it. So when I get when I get knocked down with most of the transitions, some of those things actually do like with the divorce, it it crippled me for for a minute. I was handicapped mm -hmm. for sure. To constantly get back up, you start to develop a um a a go-getter mentality or an attitude about it because you know that you have a certain window to lick your wounds, right? But then after that, it's, it's time to get back up and go back and get after it. Because if you don't, you can, those things can, you know, control you and keep you down in a place that you don't want to be, whether that's depression, whether that the, it's woe is me, whether it's you start, you know, saying that, you know, people don't want to see you win and not really looking at the, the, the person that can actually control the situation and get out of that space, which is you. I, I love reading books. I love to try to find, you know, inspiration from here and there, but I don't look to them as um, I want to be like them because they are unique and different to themselves. I admire those people that have been knocked down and got back up to continue fighting because they know that they have way more in the tank and no one wants to see them. Their loved ones, God doesn't they definitely don't want to see themselves in that in that low state. So it's this that's the constant looking in trying to get better. You know, you you just I don't know, you're just bringing so many food forward thoughts to me right now. Mm. Like I, I started seeing my grandmother's homemade yeast rolls mm. and how the way you make bread is you got to punch the yeast down for it to rise higher the next time. Right. <laughs> and the more you were talking and like, you, you know, when I'm watching her, I don't fully understand it, but like how, you know, 
Marcus, they have to cover the yeast. Yeah. They cover it. They cover it with a towel. It, it has to experience a little bit of darkness. Mm-hmm. And then when the towel comes up and then I'm thinking, oh, we ready. She's like, oh, no. Boom! Oh, I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, we we just saw the rise. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, a what's happening right cave, now? Right, <laughs> right. But but it's really it's really the rise. What you have to take in the process of the making that has a lot to do with how the bread rises. Absolutely. And just hearing you speak about how that's inward, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why, like. Outside of my upper trees, I don't know anybody that can make my grandmother's uh, homemade yeast rolls. Like I, did, I don't know if she got the punching down right or the rising <laughs> up right. Some is working. I just want to say kudos to you for that. Like understanding, most people do lead externally. They look out and lead. What I hear you saying is that you look inward and lead. Absolutely. That's not always easy, no, right? It's not. Because <laughs> you know there are changes. Yeah. There, there, there are ways that we are becoming that th- people or things externally may not even know how to embrace, but you can feel that becoming on the inside. And so I just want to celebrate you for that. That's a, that's a hard thing to make, to recreate a recipe of your life. That, that's, Thank you. I mean, that's, I'm telling you, I'm, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be eating or cooking when I get off this podcast. <laughs> but I mean, this is this is phenomenal. I know Sarah has spoke about you so much about your brilliance and oh, and the God. brilliance comes from you know as I'm experiencing you, the brilliance c- comes from the way you you show up in the world, how your beingness, but also how you've embraced your brokenness. Mm. Like it's it's come through. How do you? If, if we're talking about the testing table and 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 you know these tastes and these flavors, if there were if there was any kind of change you would like to see, I'm thinking about how there are food deserts, right, in communities of color. There's yeah. a lot of food deserts. There's a lot of health inequity. Yep. Right. How do you see food aiding in that kind of paradigm shift? Do you see food? And the affordability of food, right? Like eating healthy, nobody knows why it has to be so expensive. Or does it have to be expensive? Is that the programming in the mind too? That's that's a very, very big question. Um, I don't think that food has to be as expensive as it is. I think that coming out of COVID, Mm. business owners are trying to recoup what was lost to where there's a lot of things that that out of the blue is starting to go up like we just had a a crazy you know no one can find eggs and eggs were through the roof people they're eggs there has been no different process on how these eggs get delivered to the world okay (laughs) right right (laughs) there's a chicken they lay it there's people that you know, <laughs> pick up the eggs and, <laughs> and cart them off. Like there hasn't been any advancement in technology for these things to happen to where the cost would go up from a business perspective. But I think that because service chains have been disrupted, there's a lot of flux that's happening. Um, you know, Black and Latino communities consistently get hit or just lower income communities in general. 
get hit the hardest because they they one that they can't afford the food at at say like a Gelson's or a high expensive you know grocery store, which is the reason why there's you know the you know cost plus stores that actually exist. But then when those stores actually get hit as well, then there's a trickle down okay. effect yeah. of everybody you know getting exposed to the inflation. I do think that you know food can come down, but it, I think it's 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 a business ran mm-hmm. you know sector that you know people want to you know make sure that they're gaining a profit and so on and so forth it's, it's mm-hmm. almost like like for texas the beef i i went into like a regular barbecue um joint that um i and i bought i wanted to get a rib a beef rib this beef rib was eighty dollars for what i think <laughs> Unreal. One, like it wasn't like a slab of ribs. I wasn't feeding, you know, my household. I didn't come in and 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 buy a family pack of ribs or anything like that. It was one rib, and in a place that um, that harvests, you know, the beef in droves. There's no way. There's no reason why the price couldn't be lower, right? Right. Because you're you have so much of it, you can sell it for a low cost and sell more of it, and win that way versus going the other cost um, perspective and charging at a high rate and only getting a small amount of community that can actually pay that. I didn't pay that. I can pay that, but there's no reason for me to pay that. I would rather go without than give someone eighty dollars for a slab or a a piece of rib. That's absolutely ridiculous but to my point that is the cause of the restaurants trying to recoup the money that they lost when they were down and the fact that you know they're open again they're trying to you know get you at the door it's unfortunate it is unfortunate and this is i mean i sleep better at night knowing marcus that you are out there creating the ripple that you're creating this is something that I think as my children have gotten older, as I've lived outside of the U.S. and seen how other parts of the world relate to food um, and are, quite frankly, feeding their people, um, it's something that I really care about. And I think it's something that when we look at the the other big issue going on in in the country of mental health, there's a lot of Mm. things related to what we're putting in our gut, to how people are feeling. And there's so much more research coming out. And I just think what, what you're up to and what you're creating um, is so incredibly important. And, you know, you guys were talking earlier. I didn't want to interrupt. But I also, for those of you who are listening, you know, Marcus, you talked a bit about, um, you know, your process of being inter, you know, going in, looking at your inner world versus the outer mm-hmm. world. And I don't think people realize really all that that entails this the investment of time of energy of money of what it actually takes to take the time to look at what's the experience i want to have how do i want to show up yes i want to make a lot of money yes i want to have an impact in the mm-hmm. world but the way in which you've gone about it is is different um and so yeah thanks Thank you for sharing that and for modeling that. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So we have 
one more question for you. <laughs> and I'm so curious how you're going to answer this. I know we've, we, we've not given you insight into all of this. No, I... um, but really, <laughs> we like to see if we can throw our guests totally off and make them tremble. No. Okay. If there was a wave or a change, Marcus, that you could see in the world, what would you want it to be? I would love to see people enriched with the confidence of eating. There's there's so much information that's out there that people are stuck on calorie intake. Um, mm. Should I meal prep? Which diets should I be on to gain the body that I'm I'm looking to achieve? Um, if I'm a diabetic, what things you know should I be eating or how should I be eating them? There's a new study out right now that says that. If you um, intake your food from a diabetic perspective, if you intake your food um, from vegetables, carbs, and then protein, you lower your sugar spike or you're able to control it a little better. It's like those tidbits and things on how your body, the instrument, works is is such um it's almost like space it's almost like it's the unknown because each body works completely different than the next you know so it's like i would love for people to to gain confidence in um, their knowledge of food so that they can eat better for them and not only you know cook by color from the from the idea of eating the rainbow but then making sure that you're infusing the right you know type of colors inside of your your diet based off of either your beliefs or your your eating regimen or habits and then what do you think we would see more in the world i think a lot of a lot more happier people um so many people are unhappy they eat heavily or they're they're gouging you know go on the ice cream binge based on how they feel some people emotionally eat some people starve themselves and keep you know food and the nutritions away from them based on you know punishing themselves and stuff like that i feel like people would be happier if they understood the dynamics of food and how um it's beneficial and i should say in which ways it's beneficial for your anatomy. Mm. God, it'd be incredible. Yeah. We're on our way. We with you, Marcus, <laughs> we are clearly on our way. You know, I'd like to listen, wave makers, this has been a mind blowing, beautiful, brilliant conversation. Um, you know, understanding the instrument of our bodies and the ingredients we put into our bodies and their impact on how we're able to show up as our best best selves in the world. Um, that is what I believe Marcus has shared with us today. Thank you. Uh, understanding how we should reference a recipe. Don't seek to replicate it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's be your authentic self, be your authentic palate. Right? So mm-hmm. I want all the wave makers Everybody listening to the title podcast, I want you to discover the birth of the gourmet organic 
seasoning and flavoring line at www.cookbycolor.com. Now that is www.dot.com. And follow Marcus. Do yourself, your family, your friends, the favor and the flavor of following Marcus on Instagram at I Cook by Color. I'd like to thank you, Marcus, for joining us today. I mean, I'm never going to look at this kimono the same. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, life-changing, life-changing experience. Um, thank you for your support, Wave Makers, for listening to this show. Every wave starts as a ripple. Um, let's create more ripples in the world. And this what a way we are nearing the end of season one and what a way to do it with, with Marcus and cook by color. Thank you so much, Marcus, for so joining much. us. Thank you. I really appreciate being and, on. Yeah. And we're looking for the invite to the table. And yeah, us. absolutely. 